sermon on koinonia. I almost did it today. I uh, don't know. Maybe next week. We'll see. It's on prayer, and I keep holding that off. It's coming. And it, uh, but but I've, uh, I believe this is what we need to be in today. Hebrews chapter 3. We've been going through the book of Hebrews, and uh, we went through chapter 1 and chapter 2 uh, so far. And what we were discovering is, in the book of Hebrews, is that many... At this season and time, we're going through a lot, much like what we're going through. And we said we, we, we couldn't not necessarily understand what they were going through. Um, we can't feel what they were feeling at that time. History can record it, you know, that they were facing the things, higher taxation. They were facing uh, the Colosseum and death and persecution under Nero. But it's hard to know what that really felt like, Mark. Just like the history will record one day this pandemic. And they'll see the mask and they'll see the various things going on that we've gone through. But they won't know the feeling, the fear, the, the, the wonder of, of all the chaos that was going on. They could write and say that. But if we were to transpose what we're going through now back to that time, we can kind of understand that, that maybe a little bit of what was going on. And, and understand that there were people that were beginning to leave Judaism and go back... They were, I mean, excuse me, beginning to leave Christianity and go back to Judaism. And, and, and so the writer begins to write. God begins to say, how do I combat what's going on? They were facing much and many things. They were, not, they were leaving church. They were, they were leaving, God, leaving Christ and, 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 and going to other things. And so God put the pen into the writer's hand, so to say, and began to uh, understand and, and know that there needed to be a book written that, that gave us the revelation of Christ. He understood that they're missing something, and what they're missing is a revelation of Christ. And the book of Hebrews is like no other book in that it gives us a revelation, a fresh revelation of Jesus. We talked about how the, uh, the people on the road to, to Emmaus, the further, when, when they got despairing and despondent, and they began to look at their circumstances around them, they began to drift, and they began to, they were disappointed. Hey, we thought he was this, but... Hey, undoubtedly, he's in the tomb, and they're confused, and so they're troubled in their heart, and they got away from the real revelation of Christ that they had once had, and when they did, the further they got away, the more blind they got to the truth, and they began to head away from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus, and so Jesus visited them, and he began to expound the scriptures to them. From, from Genesis to Revelation, he begins to expound the scriptures and say, and to them, obviously, it's the Old Testament scriptures mostly, that he's pulling out the prophets and, and, and the law and all these things that he's beginning to show them the Psalms, and he's showing them, this is me. 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 And he begins to give them this fresh revelation of him as they're walking on the road. And, and, and all of a sudden, while they're walking with him, they begin to see it. And their hearts begin to burn within them as they walk with him by the way. And they wanted to constrain him to go further and to stay with them. And I'm telling you, the thing that we need more right now in this day and time and in this hour when I see so many going into despair, depression, despondency, so many things that we're facing. And they're getting away, if not careful, from the revelation that Jesus said 
he was. He's Lord. He's Messiah. He's over pestilences and plagues and over the universe. And he's sovereign over governments. And he's sovereign. He has power over all of these things. But yet, we're all despairing of life. We're leaving the revelation of Christ. We're getting away with it. It's causing many not to come back to church. There's been so many that haven't come back to church. And I'm going to say this. If you've been out of church for two years, it's time to get back. It's time to get back. I'm not cutting you any more slack. It's time to get back. It just is. It's time to get back. And, and, and so he, he just uh, he says that. Uh, now, I understand there's people who can't, and that's a different story. But there's people who could be here that need to be here. And it's time to get back to this place because the further you get away, the more you're drifting, the further you're going to get away from the revelation of, of Christ and what you need in this last hour. And so that's what we're dealing with. So in Hebrews 1.1, we saw that he wrote in the very first chapter here, when he began to write and put the pen into the hand of the writer in Hebrews, he began to write, and there was four uh, things that he left us with just in that first chapter. He said he's been appointed heir. I think it's in just verse 1. He was appointed heir of all things. He was saying, this is why you shouldn't walk away from Christianity. This is why you shouldn't leave the faith. This is why you shouldn't go back to, to, the, to the law and Judaism because this is why you don't leave that because, because Christ is the appointed heir. He, he's the heir of all things. Why would you leave to go back to somebody who's not heir? Buddha's not heir. Uh, Muhammad's not heir. Uh, you know, uh, Confucius is not heir. Uh, Jesus Christ, God made Jesus Christ the heir, H-E-I-R, of all things. He's going to inherit all things. And then he made the worlds through him, he said in these verses. He made the world. He's the creator of all things. You're going to leave the creator of all things and go to something else? Are you crazy? And then he says, not only that, he's the express image of God. You're going to leave Christ and go to something else. He's the very express image of God. If you want to know what God is like, you can't go anywhere else to find it. You have to go through Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through and by me. You want to leave that? That's what the writer is trying to warn these people. How are you going to escape if you leave this? And then the last one he says there in the first, very first uh, chapter. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. I mean, this is the Jesus you're dealing with. And he's saying, don't, don't forget. And I'm saying today, in the midst of COVID, stop, church of Jesus Christ. Stop out there on the internet. You want to leave for what? You want to leave Christianity for what? What are you going to go to? You want to leave Christ? You're forgetting who He is. He's the appointed heir. He made the world. He's the express image of God. He sat down at the right hand of majesty of God. Everything in this book is true. And everything in this book is going to come to pass and be true. And you're looking at your circumstances and you're moping and you're getting down. What are you going to leave it for? How are you going to escape if you neglect such a great salvation? That's what the writer writes in the first chapter. How are you going to escape if you neglect this? Are you kidding me? And that's what I want to say to you guys. Are you kidding me? Chapter 2, we saw the next thing that he does. Go to the first slide. Give him a second. Well, he talks about, I'll tell you what he does. He talks about the supremacy of Jesus over angels. 
He talks about the supremacy of Jesus over angels. We said it's broken up into four categories. The supremacy of Jesus over angels. The supremacy of Jesus over Moses. The supremacy of Jesus over the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood. And the supremacy of the new covenant over the old covenant. That's what we're breaking this book down into. And that's what the writer of Hebrews, it's all about Christ. It's all about the revelation of Christ. And and the and the first two chapters we read there, angels are mentioned like 12 times. He just keeps going angels. He's, he's, he made a little bit lower than the angels. He did this with the angels, the angels, the angels, the angels, the angels. And we looked and saw that angels are great, but we looked and you'll have to go back and watch, the, watch the, uh, the, the sermon yourself online. But we said Jesus is greater than the angels. The writer is trying to remind you. And the reason he writes that, we don't talk a lot about angels, but angels were instrumental in the formation of Israel. They were involved in Israel's beginning. They knew about angels. Angels came in the Old Testament. Angels came at the giving of the law. Angels were there when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden and he put angels there to keep them from getting back in. We saw that. We see angels all through. Daniel writes about 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands and thousands of angels around the throne. We talk about their ministering spirits sent to the saints who are going to inherit salvation. You don't just have an angel. You got angels. You got guardian angels bunches of angels that are trying to make sure we inherit salvation, working on our behalf, being beckoned and sent out by Jesus Christ, the heir of all things, saying, go there, do this, go there and do that. They were there when Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth and goodwill, peace towards men. They're singing there as Jesus is born. They're there at this glorious uh, appearing uh, with the shepherds there. They're, They're there to tell Mary. They're there to tell Elizabeth. Angels were involved in Israel so you can understand why the writer is saying hey angels are cool but Jesus is better and he's more superior and so the whole book is about continuing to show you you've gotten away from Jesus and you need to get back to Jesus that's what this writer is pounding over and over and over and over into the minds of the people and then we come to Hebrews chapter 3 today and there's something very interesting that he writes and we're going to talk about the supremacy of, of, of Jesus over Moses, but, but we're also going to talk about the deceitfulness of sin. Now, I'm sure the writer of Hebrews, when he's writing this, if he's like all pastors, you know, we want to come with a good word. I want to come with a word that's going to get you fired up. There's nothing like leaving here and everybody's going, preach on, yeah, yeah, and we're clapping, and we're standing, and all that, but I know most of the time, for some reason, I drew the short stick, no, I didn't really, I love it, but, uh, but, but God always seems to give me these messages on, like, the deceitfulness of sin, and all these messages that keep coming, and, and like that, but the writer of Hebrews probably did not want to write to a group of people who are facing persecution, all these other things, and then uh, he, he, the title of the message he wants to have is not the deceitfulness of sin. He will say, come to church and, you know, we're giving away a, a free chariot today, you know, and we want to bless you with that. The, you know, the hundredth person that comes through the door, he wants the tendency like all these other churches, you know, we're going to have uh, all these things. But, 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 but the writer does come down here today all the, already in the third chapter, and he's going to tell us something very, very important, Jacob, 
Something very important about, about, about something, Dustin, that will take you away from the revelation of God and keep you from entering in to what we need, to what we need here to see Him. He's going to tell us something, and it's called the deceitfulness of sin. And so I want to go through this today, and I want to, I want to talk about this. And we've got, uh, there's two things we're going to look at, the truth that the writer is going to put here, and a danger that the writer is going to put here. We're going to talk about the truth, and then we're going to talk about the danger. So let's talk about the truth here. And the truth of, of what happens here is the writer writes something here that I think a lot of times we don't get or we forget sometimes. And I love what he writes here. He starts out by saying, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession... Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses was also faithful in all of his house. I want you to notice three H's in there. And I want you to see those. Therefore, holy brethren. Number one, he calls you holy brethren. Say that with me. And we'll make you say holy sistren. Come on. Oh, man, that's bad. Come on. We don't want to leave the sisters out. Holy brethren and sistren, or whatever you'd say. Okay, therefore, holy brethren. What he's saying here is you are not... See, here's what we do in Christianity, and this is what I did for so many years. He is holy, and now he's come to me, and now i got to figure out how to be holy. i got to work really hard to get holy, Right? I mean, i got to really work to get holy, Mark, because He is holy, and, and that's what He expects out of me. But notice something that the writer says here. Therefore, He calls you not one day when you do this, but He calls you holy brethren. Come on, some of you act like you don't believe that. Holy brethren. He's saying, you are now, because I have come, because I've died, buried, rose from the dead. If you have received me, you are holy brothers. You're not waiting to be. You are this now. You're not going to become this one day. I've taken your filthy rags and I have given you my righteous garment. And now I've set you apart and I call you holy brethren. Holy brethren. You're holy. Because I've said, that's what it means. It's like cutting vegetables and sliding them apart. You're just setting something apart. Doesn't mean I'm perfect yet. Doesn't mean I'm never going to fall or stumble again. But what it does mean is I've received Him. I'm in Him. He set me apart. He's begun to work in me. He's begun a work of sanctification in me. He is, he is, uh, he is, uh, uh, he's made me holy. He set me apart. And so the writer quickly says here, the truth of the matter for you and for me is you are holy brethren. You're holy. You need to understand that in the last days or you're not going to make it. You're going to be constantly down on yourself. You're going to be constantly trying to fix things that you can't fix. And then he says you're partakers of the heavenly calling. Not just far off. We always want to preach things like they're in the far off, in the sweet by and by. But he's saying you are a heavenly partaker of these things right now. When you receive Jesus, he declares you holy. You are partakers of the heavenly calling. Just like, uh, just like it, it's your right, like righteousness is imputed and imparted to you. You're a partaker of righteousness. You're a partaker of grace. You're a partaker of mercy. You're a partaker 
partaker of his love. Then he says, you are a partaker of the heavenly calling of these things, not way off. You're a partaker of these things now. Already, the Bible says uh, that you're a partaker of these things. Uh, I've called you in righteousness, the Bible says. And then third thing, he says, our profession is that Jesus is Christ or he is our high priest now. He's our high priest. These are the truths of the matter that the writer is writing in here. And then we go to 1 Peter and we find out something even more in the book of Peter that he goes on, or 2 and 9, it tells us this, that reiterates this. What does Peter say? You remember, you're a chosen generation. Now, now you're chosen. You're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Come on, hold your head up high. You are a royal priesthood. I'm not turning into Joel Osteen today, but these are good things. There are times where we come into the Word of God and we got to admit what the Bible says and what the writer says. And I'm giving you some good news here today. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. A holy nation. Holy nation. You're a peculiar people. And then he begins to contrast this with Moses and Jesus, the writer does. He he, he contrasts Moses and Jesus in verse 5. This is what he says. And Moses indeed was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken of afterwards. He says, and Moses indeed was faithful in all of his house. He's faithful in his house. He's faithful in the house of Israel. He belongs to the house of Israel. And he's, he was faithful in it. He was faithful in bringing uh, 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 deliverance. He was faithful in bringing the law. He was faithful in bringing the commandments. He was faithful in the house of Israel. He was faithful in doing these things. But then he begins to contrast that. And listen, what do we do when we want to make ourselves look better? Kelly, we normally tear somebody else down so we can look better. Okay? But that's not what the writer does here. He actually, Angie, he actually builds Moses up. He actually says Moses was faithful in all of his house. Moses was amazing. Moses was incredible in the house of Israel. Moses did all kinds of things. We learned from Stephen a lot about Moses. We learned that Moses was a great leader. We learned that, uh, that, that Moses did great things. But, but the writer here is saying, however, there is somebody greater than Moses. There is somebody more incredible. Just like there was somebody better than angels, there's somebody greater than Moses. Moses was incredible. Moses was faithful in his house. Moses, he's not tearing Moses down. He's actually saying Moses was pretty, pretty big. And he was highly educated. He was trained. He was mighty in word and mighty in deed, as, as we see when Stephen's preaching there as he's about to die. We see all of these things about Moses. But then we see something different in verse 6. Look at what it says about Jesus. But Christ, as a son over, not in the house, but over the house, over Israel, whose house we are. Now he says it's not just the old covenant, B. It's not just that Moses over Israel and the law establishing an old covenant, but Christ has now moved us into something. He's the creator of the house. He is the creator of everything. He's over everything, of which now it's moved from the law outside, but 
it's moved inside to the tables on your heart, know you not that you are the temple of God and He is over the church of Jesus Christ. He's over you and me and He's faithful as a son over His house. He's not just in the house, He's over the house. He's the creator of the house. And who's greater, the one who lives in the house or the one who builds the house? Come on. And so he says, so, so the writer is contrasting. That's the truth. He's saying, you're a holy brethren. You're a peculiar people. You're receiving and partakers of all these wonderful heavenly things right now. And understand who you're receiving them from. It ain't Moses. Moses is good. But Christ is better. And he's saying, this is the truth. This is the truth of what you need to understand. And then now you want to see the danger? This is where I need you to really put your antennas up and perk up. Because here's the danger. And this is where you and I really need to listen. Because this is what's going to happen if we don't heed what the writer is saying. Because here's what, here's what he shifts in verse 7. And listen, he's put the hand into the pen of the writer. He's put it in the pen of the writer and he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice something in the writing. They love when I do this and walk all over the stage. He puts the pen in the writer and he's writing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But all of a sudden now the Holy Spirit wants to speak himself. And this is the Holy Spirit speaking directly. And I want you to see what it says. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... So you better perk your little ears up because this, this now is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And he's pulling from Psalms, and I believe it's Psalms 95 maybe. Ah, oh, help me, Lord. He, he's pulling from Psalms. I'll find it in a minute. But basically, he's, yeah, Psalms 95. This is a reference out. He's pulling something they would have been familiar with from Psalms 95. And the Holy Spirit's speaking it again to them. And he's saying, this is relevant now for you. I'm bringing this forward to now, to you in this time. And he's saying, I'm saying this myself. And here's what he says. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, today, if you will hear his voice. That's what he's saying. Today, if you will hear my voice. In other words, don't wait for another day. Look at what he says in verse 8. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion or the provocation in the trial in the wilderness. So he's bringing this forward to them. And he's saying this. He's saying, he's saying, today. I'm not telling you tomorrow. I'm telling you right now. Perk up and hear this. Listen to this. He's saying, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart like they did back then. I'm giving you an example back then, but I'm bringing it right to the present and making it relevant. This can happen to you too. This can happen to you today. And so, so he's drawing this picture Back then, that they'll know very well and making it really relevant to the day that they're living in. And I'll make it really relevant to you. How many on Sunday morning find it to be one of the most troublesome days of the week when we try to get ready for church? Come on, everything happens. Kids go berserk. Somebody falls and hits their head and screaming. Somebody, you know, the baby, uh, you know, uh, has a dirty diaper right as you're walking out the door, right? Can't find the pacifier. Husband makes, ticks me off. You know, uh, not my husband, uh, but your husband, my wife, whatever. So, so you know, uh, but something happens and, 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 and things happen as we're going on the way to church. And he's saying today, if these things happen, 
Do not harden your hearts as they did back then. Resolve them. Do something about them because these things left unresolved. A, a, a hardness against the spouse. A, 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 a hardness against somebody who didn't smile at me today at church because maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe something they're really in deep thought. But they didn't look you in the eye and speak to you and now you're ticked off. You know, whatever. But And, and you leave out of here with that thing unresolved. And there's this hardness now festering in your heart. He's saying today, he's drawing a picture back then when somebody cuts against you when somebody cuts you off on the freeway don't let that thing stay there because if you let it stay there it's going to cause problems in your heart it's going to cause trouble in your heart and you're not going to be able to see the revelation of Christ you're going to get further removed from the revelation of Christ that's what happened to them they let this today they let this stay in their heart you don't understand the deceitfulness of sin and what it does to you folks Here's what we think, and this is what I used to do. We pick out sins and start preaching against sin. Okay? And that's fine. But we're really missing the real root of the problem. We're really missing what is, you know, we, we, we start worrying. Then the devil says, yeah, and if you sin, I get a foothold in your life. And that's what we're really focused on. That sin, we're focused on that foothold. But what we're not focused on is what it's doing to us. It is pulling you away from the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is causing your heart to harden in unbelief. It's causing you to move further and further away. How many of you do this? How many of you go into a grocery store and you catch wind of Sally Smith coming over in the other aisle and all of a sudden, you know, you heard Sally Smith say something about you uh, the other day. And so the last thing you want to do is see Sally Smith. So you push your buggy the other way, right? To avoid Sally Smith. Letting that thing... That thing inside of you, that, that, that deceitfulness of sin, stay within you, uh, uh, avoiding it. So today the writer is writing, if you haven't dealt with an issue, then don't put it off. And I'm warning you, if you haven't dealt with these issues, don't put it off. My friend, I was getting awful quiet because I feel some issues you don't want to deal with. Maybe it's against me, I don't know, but I feel it. I feel it in the room. But if you don't, I'm warning you. If you don't deal with it, it's pulling you away from the revelation of Christ. And it's going, it's going to affect you in the days ahead terribly. Yesterday, I was on the call for an hour and a half. Thank God for people. Find people. God has people. Find friends. You're going to need them. I have two very close, uh, I have more than that, but I have a couple of very close spiritual friends now. And those people call me. And, and one of them called me yesterday. We have a standing appointment once a month. Once a month that we meet. And we were talking about this, some stuff. And man, I was cold. I didn't even want to be on the phone. I was dreading it. Tired, worn out. It's the last thing I wanted to do. But it always turns incredible. It always is amazing. And I say, God, thank God I got on that call and didn't avoid this. And didn't isolate myself. And we're on that phone call. And at the end, I had mentioned somebody to pray for that needed prayer. And it was so weird because he prayed for me, an incredible prayer. And then at the end, he said, I think you're supposed to pray for this person. 
And man, I'm telling you what, the Spirit of the Lord just came on me. And the first thing I blurted out of my mouth was, I forgive them. And man, he just broke down weeping. I was the first, that was not even what I was praying for them for. And almost just out of this place in my heart, I said, I forgive them. And it was just like, boom. And it was just like, whoo. And we just prayed. And I mean, it was amazing. Amazing. So today, if you haven't dealt with an issue, then don't put it off, he's saying. If you've upset somebody, if you haven't dealt with an issue in your heart, don't put it off because I'm going to show you the reason why. The reason why is the deceitfulness of sin. It will deceive you, friend. It will deceive you. It's what kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. What kept them out of the promised land was unbelief. And it's something that happens when we allow it to happen. So we talked about that. We're so sin conscious. We're so conscious of sin. We think God's going to smack me if I don't deal with this sin. Or we think the devil comes along and says, Oh, if you don't deal with this sin, I'm going to have a door into your life and I'm going to take over. And all of those things are are somewhat true, but the real problem is that they're moving you away. The real sin is called unbelief, and it's moving you away from drift. It's causing you to drift and move away from the things of God. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 3, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, do you catch it? An evil heart. It ain't so much the sin. It's the evil heart of unbelief. You've got unbelief. And it's moving you away from God. And that's what he's writing to these people. Listen to what he goes on to say. Listen, they could not enter into Canaan land. Why? Say it. Come on, are you awake? Why? It's in red. Unbelief. Unbelief. They could not enter in because of unbelief. Well, do you know how many times they tested God in the provocation? Listen to how many times. Look at it. At the Red Sea, they grumbled. They, they wished they would die. He didn't say that's why he didn't put them in. Look at number two. At Meribah, they strode with God for water. At Massa, the water was bitter and they complained. In the wilderness of sin, they murmured for bread and God gave them manna from heaven. At Rephidim, they complained again against God. At Sinai, they got the law and they worshipped the golden calf. At Taborah, they murmured for meat and God sent them quail. At Kadesh Barnea, they refused to go into the Canaan land. Then 37 years later again at Kadesh Barnea, we see that they again complained for water. Moses smote the rock and that's what caused him not to go into the promised land. And number 10, at Chittim, we see that idolatry of the Moabites that begin to come in and affect them. But he doesn't say anything about these 10 things keeping them out. He says they're kept out because they have an evil heart of unbelief towards God. And that's what the enemy wants to get you into unbelief. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 3.12. Beware. Is it up there? Beware, brethren. And sistering, beware lest there be in any of you, what? An evil heart of unbelief. Because what does an evil heart of unbelief cause you to do? What did we say the whole problem of this letter is? It causes you to depart from the living God. 
It causes you to leave God. What are the what are they writing the book about? They are leaving Ju Christianity. And they're going to Judaism. They're no longer believing the promises of God. Did God say, Tom? Did God really say don't eat it? Unbelief. It's taking them away from God. It's taking some of you away through this pandemic. You lost a loved one and now you're mad at God. It's moving you away from God. It's called unbelief. It's called an evil heart of unbelief. Beware. Be careful of it. Don't let these little things get inside of your heart. The deceitfulness of sin in causing you to depart from the living God. But exhort one another. That's why you need to be here. That's so why you need to be in contact with other people. It's part of the plan. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Unbelief will move you away from experiencing what God has for you today. Today. Today, if you will not harden your heart. Today, if you will not. Look, I got saved in 1994. But I can't rest on what happened in 1994. I need to know God today. And guess what? That that I had in my heart, I can tell you, that blurted out in that prayer closet, was moving me not closer to God, away from God. Unforgiveness, that's moving me apart from God. Holding something towards somebody else, that's moving me apart from God, not towards God. Deal with that thing while it's today. Deal with the deceitfulness of sin. Because, because it's, it's, it breeds unbelief in our heart. And we ask for, so you got to ask for forgiveness immediately. That's why 28 years of marriage has it been, have we never had a problem? No. But you know what? One thing we've always done is we don't go to bed angry. We don't let the sun set on our anger. And somehow we come together and we deal with that thing in our heart. And that's what's kept a relationship strong and going for 28 years. Because if I don't deal with it, we're going to drift further and further and further and further apart. And our hearts are going to harden through the deceitfulness of sin and we're going to have no relationship. So if we don't make things right today, today, I'm warning you, please church, today, I see it every day. I see it on Facebook. I see it on Instagram. I see the foolishness of people's posts. I see you, you, you claim to be a Christian and you write against this book. If you got something against somebody, deal with it today. I'm serious. If you got to write a letter, if you got to get it on your face, if you got to beg God to change your heart, do it today. Lest the deceitfulness of sin come inside of you and begin to harden you towards... And you know what you're going to do? You're going to depart from God. That's how serious it is. Don't sit there and stress over the pornography so much as what it's ultimately going to do. It's going to cause you to depart from God. That ought to scare us. Okay? So, 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 so deal with the heart. So he goes on to say in verse 13, and it says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's what I'm doing right here. I'm begging you, please, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived in thinking you can go on with Sally on the next aisle and you hate her. 
And you avoid her by going to the next aisle. Don't think that's okay. If you are, you've, you're, you're, you've bought into the deceitfulness of sin. And remember those who fell in the wilderness and were not allowed in. That's what the writer's writing. There's a danger here. There's a truth here. You can have all these wonderful things, but there's a danger here. And it's called the deceitfulness of sin. And listen, next week, my gosh, I love it. Chapter 4. There's a rest for the people of God. But you know how you don't go there? Unbelief. It destroys faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe that He is. And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The reason I don't sin... It's because I don't want to lose my revelation of Christ. That's what motivates me, folks. That's what motivates me to make things right. That's what motivates me to confess to a friend my fault one to another. That's what motivates me is the living God that I fear and I don't want to lose a relationship with. That's what does it. I don't want to lose a relationship with that woman. That's what causes me before we go to bed at night. If I've been, like it's usually me, a rear end, then i got to deal with that. If I roll my eyes at her, Tom, I can't go to sleep, man. i got to do something about it. And, and, and so, so I don't want to, to sin because I don't want to be hardened to the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's why the Holy Spirit constantly deals with us to apologize. That's why the Holy Spirit constantly deals with us to do this. I'll tell you how He did it recently. You want to talk about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will deal with you in some ways. Amen? Amen. Listen, i got a pastor I love listening to in France. And this pastor, he, he used to live here. He's an amazing man of God. And this man said, he said, somebody had given him a car. And that wasn't the first time he'd had people give him a car. It was a nice car. It's almost a new car. And, and so, I was what I thought, Johnny, you were giving me your car earlier. I thought that's what those keys up here on the pulpit were, man. But, uh, but, but, uh, but the, the car, he got a car. And he said there was this toxic family in their church. He said toxic. I mean toxic. You know toxic people. Always drama, always got issues going on. And he said this toxic family was in his church. He said every time you get around them, you just wanted to go to take a bath because you felt dirty. I mean, just, just literally. And he said, so all of a sudden he has this car, and one day he's going through something, and, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks to him, and he says, I want you to give this car. And he's like, all right, God, this, I'm with you. And then he did the unthinkable and he said, I want you to give this car to the toxic family. And he said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and he knew it was the Lord. And so he got the car, he washed it, polished it, took it over to this family, gave them the keys. He said they didn't do what he thought they should do. You know, it's kind of a little bit like he thought they would fall all over saying, oh, thank you so much. They took the keys, thanked him, went back in the house. He said he left. And he said, but as he was driving away, he said something in his heart just broke. And he said he knew, he knew, 
He knew what, what God was doing in his heart. And just like when I blurted that out, he knew what was God. Because here's what sin, you want to talk about playing around with sin and the deceitfulness of sin and not dealing with this stuff. Today, the Holy Spirit says, personally, it's like wet cement. And what happens to wet cement when you play with it? You can mold it. You can deal with it. But over time, what happens? It gets harder and harder and harder and harder until it's firm and set. And that's what the writer is saying right here. The writer is saying, exhort each other because this is what I'm doing. He's saying, it because it's good, because the longer you let this sin into your heart, he said, it's getting more and more hard, more and more hard. It's getting a little bit harder and a little bit harder. So exhort one another while it's called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He's saying, I want you to exhort people to come back to God. I want you to exhort people to come out of sin. I want you to exhort people to, to leave those things because, because this, I love what David Wilkerson used to call it, unbelief is the mother of all sins. It's the mother of all sins. And, 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 and it's, it's what Adam and Eve, and I'm getting ready to close. What, what did he say to Adam and Eve? They believed God. They believed what God said. And then he said this. He said, don't eat it or you'll die. And what happened? The instigator came in there and said, did God really say? Did God really say that? And Adam and Eve believed it. The deceitfulness of sin. They began to, they began to harden their heart. They began to doubt God. They began to pull them away from the revelation of God. It sent them into unbelief. Did God really say? I don't believe that. Did God really say this? And we got so many people with pen knobs taken out. God didn't really say that. I don't, well, I don't believe that. That's what you hear so many times now to, to, to help somebody's lifestyle or what we're doing in society or in the culture. Well, well, that might be art for you, but I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. God's Word clearly says, don't harden your heart. Don't walk away from a relationship with God by allowing these things to stay in our Lives. It's unbelief that leads you away from walking in a relationship with God, the writer says. And here's what we know today. I'm a sinner at the core, but I'm declared righteous. And that's what he told us at the beginning. He calls me justified. That's who I am. And what the writer is saying, don't let the enemy steal that from you. Don't let him steal the fact that you are a partaker of the heavenly calling. You are holy. You are a holy people. You're a royal nation. Don't let the enemy steal that through the deceitfulness of sin and unbelief that will lead you away from God. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the word of God here. God, I don't clean my heart up necessarily because I've sinned. But I clean it up, my act, because I don't want to be hardened against God and the people of God. Dear God, help us. Help us to understand the seriousness of the deceitfulness of sin. Because it will lead us away from you. We say, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah, we're, yeah we are. We're hurting. We're, we're, aside from all that, we're hurting ourselves from knowing God. We're departing from the living God. And so, Lord, help us not to harden ourselves against you or your people. 
Help us not to play around with this today, God, if we recognize something in our life. If we've been hardening our, our heart towards a spouse, towards a parent, towards a parent that wasn't there, that abandoned us, that forsook us, through a, an abusive situation. God, through, through, through a job. God, if we're hardening our heart through a job right now, God, through things we don't like, the jobs are asking us and telling us to do, and God, we're, Lord, we've got to deal with these things. We've got to deal with these things while it's called today, lest we become like these children that tested you. They hardened your heart. They moved in unbelief. They, 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 they moved apart from you. They departed from the living God, and they died in a wilderness. Dear God, I don't want to harden myself through the deceitfulness of sin. And God, next week we're going to see, God, we're going to see just how wonderful there is a rest for the people of God. This gospel is so amazing, God, and we want to, we want to enter in. But God, unbelief is what keeps us out of it. So, Lord, we just pray that you would deal with this in our hearts today. God, help us not to become more and more hardened against your presence. I know it's impossible. God, that thing I had been dealing with in my heart right there, God, I had been asking you to help me with for, for, for years. And God, I'd even said those words before, but that, that time, man, it, it leapt out of me like, like something leaving my body. It was, it was you, God. I know it was you causing me to extend that. God, it was amazing. And God, there's people here today that, Lord, need to, to deal with the things, God. The people in this room. There's people that have things against other people in this room. And God, if they don't deal with it, God, it's, it's, it's going to affect them. It's going to affect their relationship with you. God, please, it's no longer, God, I can understand the world not doing this, but God, we're, we're the people of God. We've got to deal with this. So God, let us deal with our heart towards you and deal with our hearts towards others. And if we can't, then God, let us simply come to this altar or come to you and cry out and say, God, help my unbelief. Help me to be able to do this. Give me the grace. Give me the ability. You said I'm a partaker of the heavenly calling. God, you said these things are available to me now. So, dear God, I'm coming to deposit, I'm coming to withdraw from the bank of heaven the grace I need, the mercy I need, the forgiveness I need, the softness I need in my heart, the love I need right now in my heart, God. Help me. Help me today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So let me ask this question. Can you honestly say today? That I don't have anything in my heart. No, look me in the eyes. I mean look me in the eyes good. Can you honestly say you don't have anything against anybody or anything in your heart? And I hope the eyes of God are looking at you. Can you honestly say you don't have anything in your heart right now against anybody or anything. And if you do, and I'm talking about a disagreement with a person, I'm talking about a disappointment, I'm talking about a division, I'm talking about an anger, we need to deal with it. If it's with our spouse, it's gone on too long. Sir, your quietness has gone on too long. Your anger has gone on too long for something that happened 10 years ago. Ma'am, 
You're withholding things and you're, 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 you're manipulating through emotions. It's gone on too long. Deal with it. Young people, avoiding people and avoiding situations and avoiding problems and not choosing to grow up has gone on too long. Because somebody hurt you and now you won't put yourself out there again. And now you're becoming hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, saying it's okay to stay this way when God's love was manifest to be poured out and given to all mankind. I know what I'm not asking you is popular. I know what I'm asking you to do is easy, but what I'm asking you to do is die so that you can live. Unless a seed fall into the ground and die. Unless you take up your cross daily and follow me. I'm asking you that. So, with that being said, we're going to play a song. And if there's something that needs to be dealt with with a child, needs to be dealt with with, with a preacher, needs to be dealt with with a former boss, needs to be dealt with with, 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 a, with, with an ex-wife, ex-husband, there's something that needs... I'm not saying that you can change them, but you can change what's going on in here. Okay? Not saying you got to be bosom buddies with somebody that's going to chop your head off, but what I'm saying is you got to deal with what's going on in here. Okay? So this altar's open. This altar's open.